Chapter Twelve of *The Hand of Ethelberta* by Thomas Hardy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter Twelve, Arrowthorn Park and Lodge. Summer was just over when Christopher Julian found himself rattling along in the train to Sandbourne on some trifling business appertaining to his late father's affairs, which would afford him an excuse for calling at Arrowthorn about the song of hers that he wished to produce. He alighted in the afternoon at a little station some twenty miles short of Sandbourne, and, leaving his portmanteau behind him there, decided to walk across the fields, obtain, if possible, the interview with the lady, and return then to the station to finish the journey to Sandbourne, which he could thus reach at a convenient hour in the evening, and, if he chose, take leave of again the next day. It was an afternoon which had a fungus smell out of doors, all being sunless and stagnant overhead and around. The various species of trees had begun to assume the more distinctive colours of their decline, and, where there had been one pervasive green, were now twenty greenish yellows, the air in the vistas between them being half opaque with blue exhalation. Christopher, in his walk, overtook a countryman, and inquired if the path they were following would lead him to Arrowthorn Lodge. "'Twill take ye into Arrowthorn Park,' the man replied. "'But you won't come anigh the large, unless you bear round to the left as might be.' "'Mrs. Petherwin lives there, I believe?' "'No, sir. Leastwise, unless she's but lately come. I never heard of such a woman.' "'She may possibly be only visiting there.' "'Ah, perhaps that's the shape of it. Well, now you tell it, I have a strain a strange face thereabouts once or twice lately. A young, good-looking maid enough, seemingly.' "'Yes, she's considered a very handsome lady. "'I've heard the woodman say, now that you tell it, "'that they meet her every now and then, "'just at the closing in of the day, "'as they come home along with their niches of sticks. "'Aye, stalking about under the trees by herself. "'A tall black martle, so long-legged and awful light "'that you'd think twas the old fellow himself a-coming, they say. "'Now a woman must be a queer body, to my thinking, "'to roam about by night so lonesome and that. "'Aye, now that you tell it, there is such a woman.' "'but I never showed in the parish. "'Sure I never thought who the body was. "'No, not once about her, not where was a living and that. "'Not I, till you spoke.' "'Well, there, sir, that's Arrowthorn Lodge. "'Do you see they three elms?' "'He pointed across the glade towards some confused foliage a long way off. "'I'm not sure about the sort of tree you mean,' said Christopher. "'I see a number of trees with edges shaped like edges of clouds. "'Aye, aye, they be oaks. "'I mean the elms to the left hand.' "'But a man can hardly tell oaks from elms at that distance, my good fellow.' "'That it can very well, leastwise if he's got the sense.' "'Well, I think I see what you mean,' said Christopher. "'What next?' "'When you get there, you bear away smart to nor'west, and you'll come straight as a line to the lodge.' "'How the deuce am I to know which is north-west in a strange place, with no sun to tell me?' "'What, not no nor'west?' "'Well, I should think a boy could never live and grow up to be a man without knowing the four quarters. "'I knowed him when I was a mossel of a child. "'We've been all great scholars here, that's true. "'But there isn't a Tom Rig or Jack Straw in these parts that don't know where they lie as well as I. "'Now I've lived man and boy these eight and sixty years, "'and never met a man in my life afore who hadn't learned such a common thing as the four quarters.' "'Christopher parted from his companion, and soon reached a stile, "'clambering over which he entered a park.' Here he threaded his way, 
and rounding a clump of aged trees the young man came in view of a light and elegant country house in the half-timbered Gothic style of the late revival, apparently only a few years old. Surprised at finding himself so near, Christopher's heart fluttered unimaginably, till he had taken an abstract view of his position, and, in impatience at his want of nerve, adopted a sombre train of reasoning to convince himself that, far from indulgence in the passion of love-bringing bliss, it was a folly leading to grief and disquiet, certainly one which would do him no good. Cooled down by this, he stepped into the drive and went up to the house. "'Is Mrs. Petherwin at home?' he said modestly. "'Who did you say, sir?' he repeated the name. "'Don't know the person.' Uh, the lady may be a visitor. I call on business. He's not visiting in this house, sir. Is not this Arrowthorne Lodge? Certainly not. Then where is Arrowthorne Lodge, please? Well, it's nearly a mile from here, under the trees by the high road. If you go across by that footpath, it'll bring you out quicker than by following the bend of the drive. Christopher wondered how he could have managed to get into the wrong park but, setting it down to his ignorance of the difference between oak and elm, he immediately retraced his steps, passing across the park again, through the gate at the end of the drive, and into the turnpike road. No other gate, park, or country seat of any description was within view. "'Can you tell me the way to Arrowthorn Lodge?' he inquired of the first person he met, who was a little girl. "'You're just coming away from it, sir,' said she. "'I'll show you. I'm going that way.' They walked along together. Getting abreast of the entrance of the park he had just emerged from, the child said, "'There it is, sir. I live there, too.' Christopher, with a dazed countenance, looked towards a cottage which stood nestling in the shrubbery and ivy like a mushroom among grass. "'Is that Arrowthorn Lodge?' he repeated. "'Yes, and if you go up the drive you come to Arrowthorn House.' "'Arrowthorn Lodge, where Mrs. Petherwin lives, I mean.' "'Yes, she lives there along with Mother and me.' "'But you don't want anybody to know it, sir, "'cause she'd celebrate, and twouldn't do at all.' Christopher said no more, and the little girl became interested in the products of the bank and ditch by the wayside. He left her, pushed open the heavy gate, and tapped at the lodge door. The latch was lifted. "'Does Mrs. Petherwin?' he began, and determined that there should be no mistake, repeated, "'Does Mrs. Ethelberta Petherwin, the poetess, live here?' turning full upon the person who opened the door. "'She does, sir,' said a faltering voice, and he found himself face to face with the pupil-teacher of Sanborn. End of chapter 12